0: Welcome to the Immutable Mindset. Join hosts Kevin Logan Jr. and Adam Bosner as we delve into the revolutionary world of Web3 and blockchain technology, exploring the latest developments, trends, and future forward concepts driving this rapidly developing technology. Strap on your digital seatbelt and prepare for the ultimate Web3 experience. Welcome to the first edition of The Chopping Block where we cut through the noise and mine the world of crypto, Web3, and blockchain news to deliver it to you so that you stay informed, engaged, and aware of what's happening in this wildly developing industry. Here are these week's stories. Marketplace Wars. In case you've been living under your rock NFT, which is probably super cute by the way, a new battle is underway in the NFT sector between two NFT marketplaces, Blur and OpenSea. The dispute began when OpenSea, one of the largest NFT marketplaces, banned NFTs that offered optional royalties like Blur's. In response, Blur decided to enforce royalties on NFTs so long as creators blocked sales on OpenSea. And so, they did. <laughs> DGENs will DGEN. In response to Blur's ransom note slash love letter, OpenSea broke the unwritten rule and paid the ransom when they recently announced changes to its fee and royalty policies. The platform is temporarily eliminating its 2.5% sales fee and reducing creator royalty protections in an effort to, quote unquote, acclimate the rapidly changing crypto market. Under the new policy, a 0.5% required creator royalty charge will only be enforced for NFT trades that don't have an on-chain enforcement method, although sellers can choose to pay a higher percentage. This rivalry highlights the ongoing debate in the NFT industry regarding creator royalties and whether they should be optional or not. But hey, one thing is quite clear. Whales will whale, wash traders will rinse, and the seven people buying all these NFTs will continue to get richer. But hey guys, at least we have Coinbase's marketplace to look forward to, right? Welcome to the Immutable Mindset. Get ready to buckle up, folks, because we've got a wild transformation ahead on the Immutable Mindset. Today, we're taking you on a journey with a TradFi and now Crypto Wizard, a man who's gone from laughing at people buying NFTs to proudly owning and displaying his own crypto punk as his profile picture. Sergio is a true alchemist of the modern era, who's not only embraced the world of Web3, NFT, and blockchains, but has become one of its leading voices. Starting his career at the esteemed Goldman Sachs, Sergio learned the ways of traditional finance, but little did he know that fate had other plans for him. Enter a chance encounter with a departing colleague named Fred, who was on his way out of Goldman at the time, to work on what he would call a crypto startup. This led Sergio down a path of discovery. Oh, yeah. And that little itty bitty, itsy wincy, very little startup turned out to be none other than Coinbase. So talk about friends, right? From Goldman to Barclays, equity derivatives trading desk, Sergio's love for crypto never waned. It only grew leading him to take the final journey, the final leap, and go on against the final boss in the traditional finance game. Leaving Barclays, he joined the gold standard for institutional self-custody, Fireblocks, as their resident NFT degen and sales lead. I'm sorry, kids, but you're likely not getting that title. But now, and more importantly, he's Fireblocks Senior Director of Business Development. From Discord to Discord and event to event, Sergio's roots in the crypto, NFT, and Web3 space have become ever entrenched, leading him to being featured on Coindesk and Bloomberg. And most recently, he spoke at the most influential tech event in the world, CES. He's curated Real Vision's Metaverse gallery full of NFTs, worked with and personally met Punk6529. And more importantly for this show in particular, he is a part of history, as we just told him. As we at The Immutable Mindset, powered by Probably Nothing Talent, are proud to say that both Adam and I, our individual owners of his new NFT project, Seize the Meebs. And we agree, we won't let the institutions steal our JPEGs. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dogs and cats and plants, join us as we welcome Sergio Silva to The Immutable Mindset. Welcome.
1: Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Adam. That's, you know, if my mom spoke English, she would love that introduction.
0: Well, we will, we will translate it for and send it over. That's not, not a
2: problem. Serge, good to see you, man.
1: Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. What a, what a couple of weeks On this side it's actually nice to be able to log off twitter for a second and talk to friends well
2: we're happy to have you on and uh, i believe you are our not our first episode but you are the first guest on the immutable mindset so welcome and thank you for i guess uh dare i say it popping our cherry over here so let's get to it kevin
0: i'm honored i'm very honored just be gentle and for mom i am half dominican so would be happy to translate this after the fact by the way let's go back to your mindset you know, when you first started hearing about NFTs, because I was right there with you, right? I thought everybody spending money on these things are either fucking crazy or they knew something I didn't know. But honestly, I thought it was the former, right? And you were at that same place when you saw G-Money. And for those who don't know, he's just a, you know, for these purposes, he's a renowned NFT collector. You saw G-Money buy his CryptoPunk for 100 k What were your thoughts on NFTs at that time? And, and why do you think you had such a visceral reaction to the amount of money spent?
1: Well, you know, I was sitting on a traditional trading desk where we value companies based on quarterly earnings and reports and projections. And, you know, a lot of those companies don't have a ton of tangibles, but it is a business and, and you know, you buy equity in that business. And so you kind of have something to go and direct valuation from. And then I see this article about this guy who bought a JPEG for $140,000 and like, is a lot of money. It doesn't matter how much money you have. That's a lot of money. I mean, that will buy you uh, back before the bubble, buy you like a nice house in San Antonio when I went to college. So to me, that was like ridiculous. Like, you know, you said words that I couldn't repeat at work, but it was like fucking idiot. And it really caught my attention because, you know, I worked on Wall Street and you see a lot of excesses. Uh, You see people with Houses that they'll never fill up, and just like the most flashy ways of displaying their wealth, I never imagined a JPEG could be that.
0: Yeah, that's that definitely comes to flashy when when you uh, have a hundred and forty thousand dollar piece of digital collectible that you put as your your PFP, and then and then that, that's what you got. That's it. And there's no utility beyond that. It's just the profile picture. Definitely. That leads me to another part of the intro, which was your that opening title at Fireblocks, resident NFT degen. I want to say you have a kindred spirit here because every time me and Adam go into a new client meeting, I am. My first title is resident very degen much. before recruitment, talent strategist or anything, right? So I'm curious, you know, walking into these meetings with what are very professional web two and finance people, what was it like shaking their hands as the, as the resident NFT degen at Fireblocks? And then one more question. Did you create that title or, or did you- I- that- no. So just to tie it all together, I saw Money by his
1: punk. I went down the rabbit hole. I thought, you know, he was an idiot. And I think now he's one of the most genius people in the space after I got to know him. And I had no understanding what NFTs were. Right. People always think it's just a JPEG. But of course, you know, they're more than that. They're actually the token and, and what that represents and what that opens up. And so after learning about punks over a weekend where I spent 48 hours on Discord, I decided to just all in. And I couldn't stop thinking about him. It was like high school love <laughs> when you can't stop thinking about Smitten. it. Like the other person. Very much. And uh, to the point where you know I was at Barclays and, and my boss was like, yo, stop talking about crypto. Nobody cares about crypto. And I was like, actually, the clients are very engaged. They think it's super interesting. And he's like, no, we're not going to talk about crypto here. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm out. So I decided to go to Fireblocks. And, you know, I didn't know anything about crypto. I was very interested in it, but I didn't really have a lot of experience. But the fact that crypto is so open source, right, like it's, it's at the heart of it, I was able to pick up a lot just from being on reading on blogs and reading online and Discord. And so it really gave me a huge advantage because when I started Farrer blogs, I was like, hey, wait a minute, you know, I'm kind of early for once <laughs> and people don't really understand NFTs and I think they're going to change the world. So I kind of just gave myself the title because one thing I learned in Wall Street was that you kind of have to find a way to capture attention you <laughs> right? Like we are in the attention economy, like this world we live in today is the attention economy. So, you know, everybody's like all super like posh with their titles. I was like, I'm the resident NFT degen. And that always caught the attention of people. That's how it came
2: about. I never had that title officially, but people at the office would tell you I'm the resident NFT D-Gen. That That's, I mean, that's pretty awesome. But we're in the recruiting business here and we talk about transferable skills. So let's let's kind of flip the script on that one and talk about the transferable skills you brought from 12 years in institutional finance from Goldman and Barclays over to the Web3 degen world. I mean, let me kind of spit in a different way. How does those skills and what skills give you that distinct advantage, especially for Fireblocks, combined with your Web3 D-gen, uh skill set?
1: Sure. So for Fireblocks, I think what was interesting for them was the fact that I understood financial markets well, the setup, how to, you know, when you are in a position like the one I was at Barclays, leading the Latam, Equity the Riff sales team, you know, we had to pitch new products and get permission internally to sell different kinds of payouts on structured notes and the like. So having knowledge of the inner working of bank processes was really valuable. And then as we were selling to financial institutions and hedge funds coming into crypto, A lot of those guys are crypto native just because they've been here for two months more than you have. But in reality, most of those DeFi funds and the like have a very heavy traditional finance background as well. So being able to speak the language and bridge that gap, I think, was one of the biggest factors that helped me really hit the ground running at Fireblocks. It was that just being able to say, okay, this is very similar, you know, at the end of the day. Like a market is a market, regardless. Um, and I was cross asset at Goldman first, and so you understand that FX, yeah, it's different than equities. But so bid and offer and marginal buyer and sellers really make the market. And so that combining all that helped you're a lot.
2: Almost a true, dare I say, Web two point five. I mean, you talk about the the crossover between. The, I know you're full Web three at this point, Kevin.
0: Back to you. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, you nailed it. Right, that an expert in this space is basically somebody who's like a, little a bit day more ahead, ahead of you. That's how right. That, that's how fast this industry moves. And, and I wonder for, you know, for people like, for instance, like me, you know, I've never sat at a trading desk, never been an analyst. And there's, you know, the majority of people are going to be more like me in this space. You were recently on a podcast with, let's go back to G-Money. You guys were kind of talking about 2022 and what you were thinking about for 2023. And you discussed something near and dear to my heart, the democratization of finance. And I'll speak for me very quickly. I can't tell you what, what DeFi summer 2020 and governance yield farming meant for me in terms of my understanding of tradfi of bonds of equities of what is convexity right all that information i think that's so important for the normal user that given that we're going to a phase where you're seeing you know reddit water down what an nft is to a digital collectible in order to get people on you're seeing gamers water down kind of what the the verbiage is how do you see the democratization of finance and that education evolving in the future Given that we're kind of at the adoption phase where we want everybody in versus everybody getting that hard education.
1: I actually hate the fact that people are washing NFTs down to one dimension of digital collectibles. Don't get me wrong. Some NFTs are digital collectibles and nothing more than that. But the reality is that just really limits people's ability to understand what NFTs unlock. And so I hate it. I absolutely hate the fact that people are like, oh, don't call them NFTs, that's a dirty word. It reminds me of when Tinder came out and people were like, oh, you're on that app. Oh my God, you're on that app. Like you must be such a nutty boy. (laughs) And you're like, no, it's just a very efficient way of meeting people that are attractive to me and that have similar interests and not having to go and spend, you know, $20 a drink at a bar every other weekend. And so it was technology kind of like making something that we do in society much more efficient. Tinder, and now NFTs. And so when people are like, oh, well, digital collectibles, listen, I want to onboard everybody that we can. I think it's super helpful. But I think onboarding them with just a limited understanding of their potential, it's just a disservice to them. Because, you know, for me, even though I was in finance, like DeFi didn't really appeal much other than transferring money back home to Mexico. But I wasn't really interested in yield farming and the like. I didn't have the time to put into it. But... NFTs, I was like, wait a minute, this is really a way to build a community, a platform to deliver value and ideas. And so, you know, if somebody had just told me, oh, crypto is just, you know, yield farming, and that's it, it's like, you know, high yield interest accounts, but maybe I would have never looked
2: for it. I got to ask you too, I got to jump in here. I mean, from your past experience, when you get like, there had to be the speculative element of NFT collecting, you had to think about the buy, flip and sell, right or wrong?
1: Sure. No, and that's the fun part, right? It's a 24 hour, seven days a week yeah. market that is always there and you always find people. And, you know, let's remember that the NFT wave started at the end of the pandemic as we're all stuck indoors and, you know, you lost a lot of connections living here in New York. All my friends moved to Nashville, Dallas, Miami. Like I was left here by myself
2: with my wife, who I love. Right. But you easy know, with that one. 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs>
1: my... No, and so <laughs> I, I think, yes. And we can talk about the speculative part. I think it's just appeals to human nature. I mean, we are entrepreneurs are hard and risk takers. And that's why we've built this world that we've built. But to say, oh, you know, NFTs are just digital collectibles that might go up or down in value. It's just not even like 5% of of what their full potential is. And and I think it also limits those who might be in other regions that will have those ideas. I think of like going back to DeFi, right? Ave, Stani from Finland he is. Before yep. what I saw in traditional finance is only those, you know, PhDs that worked as strategists at the yep. big bands had the ability to really create new products in finance. Whereas in DeFi, anybody it's can just go and create their own. Yeah. Correct.
0: Yeah, I, t- I was talking about this earlier, right? Technology is very age agnostic. Like it's just kind of a prove it, right? So you learn it and then you prove it. And Like, to your point, it really feels like we're going down the Voldemort route. Like, that shall that, you know, that will not be named. But it is. And it's important because digital collectible doesn't lead to a lot of curiosity and interest like that's but an NFT a non-fungible token I had no idea what that was so that led me from rabbit hole to rabbit hole to the next rabbit hole because there's there's something interesting about some of these words that we use because they're brand new you've never heard them so they pique a curiosity and make you want to learn more about that and I think to build on that Kevin I think that the majority of us in the
2: space were naturally inquisitive and that's what draws us here we want to learn yeah. want to learn something new and the pandemic you know for, for better or for worse I mean we think of all those silver lines I mean, for this, for this sector, for this industry, for whatever you want to call it, hundred percent. So maybe because we're all kind of opening up a little bit, maybe that's kind of causing the dip, the bear, whatever the hell you want to call it, or just over. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute.
1: Yeah, we're just speed running through human nature again. We're 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 cyclical at heart, right? I mean, if you look at our day, we go around a star, and you know, 365 days, and then we spin on our axle every 24 hours. Like we are programmed to
0: be cyclical, mm. and so. Yeah, I would love it to be up only, but no, we're just humans doing human things. (laughs) No, definitely not. In terms of the education piece and and keeping that pureness of this space here, as we do continue to water down and, you know, big brands are going to do this, right? It's growth above all else and adoption above all else. Does everyone need to take a a course on how to interact with digital wallets? You know, how not to click on links and discords, what a burner wallet is like, how are people going to understand Mm -hmm. these things? You know, if, if they don't get involved and actually get to utilize this, how is that education going to happen?
1: I got scammed on eBay for a PlayStation 2 for Christmas that I had saved the whole year. I, have, I was selling sodas after, like, soccer games I was young and in Mexico. And I literally saved all my money for a year. And it was a PlayStation 2 sold out. And I got scammed on eBay. I was PayPal before they had the fraud guarantee. And so that hurt. But it taught me so much. And I don't awesome. think I would have learned to protect my shit had I not been scammed back then. And poor little yep. Sergio cried <laughs> many times. But, you know, sometimes you just kind of like have to learn the rough way. And I really hope people don't get hurt the rough way. It's not the only way, but we can't, you know, just baby everybody either. Like if we do a good job at onboarding our family and friends, teaching them the right way and kind of like helping each other out, nobody needs to get fished. Nobody needs to get hacked or anything like that. But to
2: also just give up that responsibility to some big brand to do it for us, it just goes against the ethos of crypto. I mean, it's also spawning innovation in the, in the security and, and, and the, across all of Web3. It's opening up new, new companies and new technology and new products, which are fascinating to protect us. I mean, think about the early days of, of credit cards, how proliferous the scams were, and they kind of reeled it in. Very similar.
1: Yeah, it's all technology. We, again, we're just going again through the same cycle of, wow, look, this is amazing. It's worth $100 million. And oh, maybe it wasn't worth it. But <laughs> But what's,
0: <laughs> what's left Bieber. behind?
1: <laughs> a, <laughs> what gets left behind usually, what sustains, what is actually you know, sustainable, yeah, is what really changes the world. And, and so we'll yeah. continue to see that, I think.
0: Yeah, to that end, um, I'll tell my very quick dirty story. I, Vald, familiar with the Vald Exchange, that, yep. that was my lesson. I had money on a centralized exchange. This was right around the time that everybody's like, get your money off, get your money off, get your money off. And I was like, ah, but, but they feel like a good institution. They feel like they have my back. $2,800 later, mm-hmm. no. But it was through that failure, through that loss of value, loss of my time, that I learned to not be on centralized Exchanges. I got a ledger. I understood how to self-custody. And that whole process happened for me. So there really is something to just getting your hands dirty right now in a nascent technology as they're building the plane as they're flying so that you can get your learnings into not.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, that experience is also gonna help you guide others, right? And make sure that again, not everybody has to lose twenty, eight hundred dollars in an exchange for everybody to learn. But you experience that, so many others experience that. And now hopefully they'll help others. Just like, you know, you see somebody get hurt doing something stupid in a car, you tell people, hey, don't go and be stupid. And so it's just a matter of how humanity and civilization works, I think.
0: No, totally. And kind of switching gears a little bit, but kind of on the same theme in terms of like decentralized finance and centralized finance with what happened at, at Three Errors Capital and, and Celsius and BlockFi and Voyager and FTX, and then we can just continue going on. You know, all these, all these centralized exchanges did exactly what we thought they would do. And as a result, I'm not sure if we're actually seeing an influx of financial institutions that are more curious about DeFi, but I'm curious if you're seeing that on your side.
1: So I'll tell you what, right? Financial institutions need to play by the rules, and those rules yeah. are not clear today. And so if you're a you know, stakeholder, a shareholder, a director of such a company, you can't just say, oh, well, screw it. I'm going to YOLO it. Right. Like it's, it's so unfortunately, until we get regulatory clarity around some things, they, they even if they want to, they can't. At Fireblocks, we definitely see, you know, we're talking to the biggest banks in the world. We have the largest custodian bank in the world on the Fireblocks platform. And there's a lot of interest. It's shifted over the last two years. I can tell you at first they were very interested in doing Bitcoin trading, offering that on the retail wallets. From there, it moved more to like a high yield savings, DeFi style stuff. And now it's just a tokenization use case that I think is really going to be the one that brings those large financial institutions into you know, blockchain more fully because it really, it really helps them solve a problem. It's not them chasing a trend is really a solution to a problem that they have. And so, yeah, tokenization, I think, is going to be the big unlock for financial institutions once we have regulatory clarity.
0: Can I pull in a thread there? Because I to that end, I just saw Larry Fink of BlackRock talk about that, right? I think he said the use case for the future is just that tokenization. What problem does tokenization solve for these institutions?
1: So many problems. If you think about, for example, bank loans, which is a market that trades, you know, OTC, bank loans take 45 days to settle when you trade him in the market. And so just think about the capital that is locked there for 45 days and how valuable that is especially for banks that have you know regulatory requirements to hold certain capital ratios and that is just money that's just dormant there so if you make those processes of settlement and just you know being able to use your knowledge proofs to confirm trades without really needing an, an army of 300 people in the back office it's just efficiency which at the end of the day is what technology does right it's like it helps us
2: be more efficient so that's why
1: it's really the solution that you know mm-hmm. banks have been waiting for for a long of
2: these problems Over the weekend, I was watching trading places and it kind of made me have this thought when they're they're literally trading commodities with pieces <laughs> of fucking paper. And that wasn't too long ago. Orange juice. F C O J. Like, think about it. Like <laughs> looking good, Lewis. Like, like you can't you can't even think of, like, <laughs> like how far have we come in the last 50 years from a technology standpoint, and we're only exponentially insanely increasing the speed of of technology. It's what we're gonna see happen. And the evolution is just mind-boggling. What are our kids going to see?
1: Right, 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 right. I mean, if you think about just the iPhone, right? It's been what? I mean, I was still in college when I came out.
0: Quite cool, like almost 15 years? 15 years, years yeah. something like that. Yes,
1: yeah, I sold completely... the first
0: one as an AT&T rep.
1: Wow, nice. Yeah, I got nothing for that.
0: <laughs> but
1: no, if, you, if you look at the iPhone, it just went from like a bigger screen to then having a camera to now... We don't use it as a phone. Very much. I mean, I don't remember last time. Oh, well, my wife's on a business trip right now, so she's been calling, I mean, I check in on our dogs. But um, who uses the phone as a phone now? It's, it's, your, it's your credit card. It's your camera. It's your way to communicate with your friends, your family. It's your everything else but a phone, but it's still a phone. So, yeah, I think, I think that's kind of like what's going to happen with this, too. Cool.
2: We did not sign that guest up for uh, a spot. A spot.
1: Yeah, apologies. I'm, I'm home alone and the dogs, are, they're not getting as walk as they usually are. And they're a little impatient given that it's very cold out. So they want to go play, but they get too cold and they, they pull back in and they realize they didn't Yeah, play they're city
0: dogs, man. I think that's fair. And I, I saw recently you were watching three of your nephews. So I'm sure you had a little bit of training.
1: Brothers-in-law, actually. Yeah. So my, my oh, wife is a big family. And uh, yeah, they're like teenagers. It was so funny. It's just such a different generation. So that's let's talk about
2: God. that for a second. Like when you're, when, what's the age gap there?
1: So there's eight kids. The f- oldest is 29 or 30. The youngest is 11.
2: Okay, so you're watching them in their day to day and they're engaging. Talk to us a little about the conversations you're having with them around Web three and NFTs and crypto. Are they are they involved? Are they are they deep into it? Are they asking you questions? Are they looking up to you?
1: Sure. So you know it's it's four girls, four boys. The, the oldest boy, who's now in college, he actually will almost finish paying for his education at UVA. From building metaverse architecture stuff, so crypto voxels, on cyber stuff, yeah. Yeah,
2: Look at that! Clap it up for that. It was really nice to opportunities to help them opportunities.
1: Yeah, it was really nice to help them, you know, come into the space and and some good friends of mine who are very involved in that in Neon DAO or like a metaverse focused DAO, like they helped him and yeah, it it was really good for him. The other ones, one is really into making videos. So I gave him my MiBits 3D models, and he's playing with them. I apologize, the doctor's still playing. And then the other two are just not really, they don't really get it. They don't really get it yet. They're, like, too young. They don't understand. One is really into memes. So I was showing him how, like, memes have economic value in this economy. And he was like, well, I make a lot of memes. Can I make a lot of money? I mean, let me show like, you something well, here. <laughs> but you know they the funny thing is none of them question digital asset ownership mm. like to them it is it is something that very natural it's like oh yeah my roblox box or whatever they're called and my minecraft and like stuff that they own in video games they're like oh i get it you know you tell a 40 year old oh i own this digital thing and they say what why
2: like how oh. so you tell a 12 year old they're like okay cool yeah, absolutely the Immutable Mindset is proudly supported by MetaIntro, the professional resume wallet for Web3. The multi-chain custodial wallet holds proof of employment, proof of skill, proof of education, replacing the old PDF resume. Adjacent to the project, MetaIntro runs a massive Discord community dedicated to Web3 jobs. Around 4,000 opportunities are posted in the community every month. For more information on Meta-Intro, head to www.metaintro.com. That's MetaIntro.com or follow us on Twitter at MetaIntro. Thanks.
0: Yeah, I think it's so cool that we talk about it. Gener- this is, you know, Generation Alpha. This is the generation that's going to absolutely have grown up with this and everything is just going to make absolute sense to them. They they will have grown up with multiple exponential technologies in their faces. So, yeah, all this just makes sense. But great segue in terms of memes and meebs. And let's let's go ahead and talk about your new NFT drop. Let's talk about seize let's talk me- about C's the Meebs. Seize. Yes. Which is an O to Me bits for people that don't know. And it has a particularly interesting concept. Yes. Please, so go the,
1: right. So going back to the punks, who are like yes. almost the, the genesis of NFTs, even though there were a few before them. The punks were created by by these two programmers called Matt and John. They go under the company named Larva Labs. And they created the punks in 2017. Punks really didn't pop off until two Like 2021, right? And so four years passed by. They created another project called Autoglyphs, which are these beautiful generative artworks that are fully on-chain. And now, you know, we have so many platforms and so many good artists that are doing generative art on-chain. So Larva Labs has really been, you know, like years ahead of their time. In 2021, in May of 2021, actually April, they launched the Meavits. And it is the first 3D metaverse-ready kind of PFP, but they're not really PFPs because they're full body. And so they came out with great fun far. You know the punks it just pretty much like 10x in the last month and a half. And then they just kind of died. The board apes minted the week after or before. And with Yuga Labs coming into the scene, they took that a uh, utility approach that we now see in every project. You buy an NFT and you expect different things mm-hmm. out of it. Whereas punks, they were. Free, right? They were given away for free, and Matt and John they didn't really do much to do anything about them because to them it was a finished product. Same right? thing it with
2: it wasn't even like a Discord. Discord. It was just it
1: for punks. Yeah. It was an yeah. early Discord. Yeah, yeah. It's still there. You can go back and like see some of the messages, and they're like excited about like a zombie trading for one ether, which was like three hundred dollars at the time. I think the last zombie was like one point two million dollars a couple of weeks ago. And so mebits they took the same approach where like they gave you three D ready models that you can use in different software and the like. And so their thinking was the community is going to go and build something with them and run with them. But no, Yuga came into the scene and everybody just wanted to expect airdrops and mutants and all this stuff. And MiBits just kind of like went completely unattended for almost a year until Yuga Labs decided to buy the Punks IP and the MiBits Um. from Larva Labs. And so now, you know, it's been almost a year of that announcement. It's March of last year. The expectation is that Yuga will develop the Mebits ecosystem, integrate him into the other side and something like that. In between that, there was like eight people in the Mi- MiBits community that stuck around because we like him. I was one of them. Uh, I mean, just a little bit more, but like, you know, it's, it's a very... For such a large, prominent project, it's, it's a kind of sleepy
2: Discord mm. sometimes.
1: So it's kind of nice, right? Like every other Discord is like scrolling like so gonna, much information. You're not going to be
2: off it for half a day and come back and just lose like, miles of scrolling on that.
1: It's still, and, and we'll, like, you know, it's, it's just a handful of people. So we all know each other and we interact. It just feels like Punk's Discord back in the day before they popped up to me. Yeah. And I just liked the project. So I was like, okay, well, you know, the intention of this project was for the community to do something about it. You guys definitely working on it. They have a team of like four or five people. But meanwhile, like, why don't we just go and show how awesome the meebits are? And given that the current meta in NFTs is memes, I was like, well, it's just perfect. Let's meme the Meebits into relevancy. And I was a little hesitant, but I had the opportunity to have dinner with Snowfro. Actually, at CES, you mentioned that I spoke at CES. And, you know, he was we we're sharing stories and he's also, you know, Mexican background. And I was like, man, I'm so dying to do something in NFTs for myself, right? Like I've been a collector, an investor and everything else. But it's like I wanted to really get that full understanding of how everything works from every side. And he said, listen, you have a good head on your shoulders. People know you. They respect you. When you have a good idea, just run with it. And so I had the idea. I ran it through Discord and then I texted him. I was like, Eric, I got this idea. Now people don't know, but Snowfro owns a full set of MiBits, every single type of MiBit. He has a really beautiful MiBit collection. And he goes, dude, go for it. So I was like, okay. And so we launched the Meebits. This is the, 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 the meeps. I'm sorry.
0: Wait, is this your first NFT drop?
1: This is my, I dropped an NFT a while back that Tony Herrera bought and donated the proceeds. Then I did another charity project-ish where I had a, call it, it's a wall that I have in Mexico. And there's four spots for NFT PFPs to be painted oh, cool. on. And we, yeah, so we, ra- we we did auctions for those. And so Batsubium, Quell's aku, so Micah Johnson, mm. yep, and another person with a pickle uh, doodle. One we donated about, well, we we got like sixteen thousand dollars out of that, and then we used it to buy beds and fridges and all this kind of stuff for orphanages back at home in Mexico. So those were like not really projects. Thank you, thanks to thanks to everybody that supported actually. That's great. But they're not drops, right? They were just more like using NFTs for, for good. Amazing. This is like my first project that I've like I'm, actually had to manage. Let's
2: pause that for one second and let's just talk because like, the light bulb went off. I mean, when, when the war broke out in the Ukraine, I mean, we saw it there. We saw the incredible amount of fundraising that went into that. That's the good PR that needs to get out there, right? Like that's a yeah. good shit. That's a good word. But instead of all the, the, the shilling and the, and the thievery, right, we need to talk more about the good stuff and get that word out there. So, so keep up the good stuff there, Serge.
1: Thank you. I think also goes with the whole like you know digital collectible thing. Like collectibles, those they don't really make you think of like oh this is a good way to fundraise, crowdfund for a good purpose and reward mm-hmm. those that support, right? Because you can have a project where you drop a token in exchange for a donation, but then in five years you can go back to that the token holder and like drop them something else or or yep. engage them something else. So it's a great way. You Ownership. know I get calls from. Yeah, from the blood center here every other day. But imagine if I got a token for donating blood the first time and then in a year they dropped me like a cool piece of work from a cool artist. And they're like, hey, come on in to redeem it. Yeah, why not?
2: I mean, we're seeing there's a, there's a collection that I work with that we know called Young and Sick and they're putting out, they just did a um an open project. And if you, if a couple of tokens and you get the physical art, like that's a nice piece. You have that IRL, digital, whatever the hell you want to call it. But those are things that people like. They, it will also help some people transition into the space.
1: Digital. It just kills yeah. me. It's it's like only the words work in web three besides digital collective. No,
2: you don't like that one at all.
1: No, no. It's like when they try to make here in Manhattan like new neighborhood names yeah. by like making like middle Manhattan. It's like, oh Mima, like, no, bro, like stop. I'll try back then. So, so well, out it. to Harlem? No, it's not gonna work.
2: <laughs> so what are we calling it then, right? Is it is it just part of a loyalty? Is it just part of like, you know, is it utility? I mean, is utility a bad word? It's an NFT. I like utility. We'll go with utility. I will stricken the word fidgetal from my record.
0: Yeah, there's a little reaction I get. We, we have a client of ours that they kind of coined the word. So I, I definitely use it a lot. In terms of the, you know, when we first, or what, at least when I first took a look at the, the collection, it immediately spoke to me because I am definitely our resident DJ and I am a DJ and love it. But for so long in this space, it's been about the community. And when I did my research into your background, like that's the central theme of, of your coming into the space is community. You know, that, that four hours in the, in the crypto punks before you bought it, you found community. And ever since then, you've been building it up. You know, when we were looking at this, we bought the, me and Adam both bought the Man Festo because it spoke to us, right? And for those listening at home, just quickly, I'm going to quickly rattle off some of the tenants of the document because I think it's important for you to hear. But yeah, there's something I wanted to to hear about his collection of the manifesto because it really speaks to the core reason why why I'm here, to be honest. And I'm sure I'm not alone on that. Here they go. We stand on the shoulders of giants. We are here for the culture. We believe in the memes. We are heeding the call to seize the memes of production. We believe in provenance. We appreciate the right kind of utility. And we are looking forward to the open metaverse. Mm. So my my question, provenance, utility, mass appeal, and meta which is my new favorite word. Why are those the four central tenets of this NFT project?
1: So for me, those four tenets parallel what the MiBit's value proposition is, right? So the provenance of having being Larva Lab's third project, again, Larva is three or four years always ahead of their time. The utility that now Yuga Labs is going to, you know, probably integrate into them. The mass appeal, I mean, these are really cute human-like characters, and while people are in love with animal PFPs today, I do think in the future, actually, if you look at the history of art going back to the caveman days, any museum, 95% of the art depicts human forms. We love ourselves. We just, you know, we were voyeuristic as they come. And so... That's the mass appeal part. And for NFTs, you know, what brought a lot of people into the space, other than the money, is just the art. The fact that you can buy digital art, right? So to me, art, mass appeal, that goes hand in hand. And ability, the fact that maybe it's come with ready, fully rigged 3D assets that can be used in the metaverse. And for me, the means you know, and just the culture will be the foundation of us building that open metaverse, that virality of repeating, hey, this is really cool. Like, this is what you can do. That That's how you build a culture. That's how you build a civilization, right? It's that common belief in something, you know, in Jesus, in different kind of God in fire and like whatever has been through history is that common belief in an idea that builds a civilization. And so that's why I think metaversibility, you know, ties it all together.
0: I love that. And I'll, I'll be completely honest in saying, I went straight DJ and I own three cards now, most recently this morning's drop, and I am looking forward to the upcoming ones. But, you know, for me personally, as a holder, it's been a fun experience. Was creating the collection a fun experience for you? You know what,
1: it, it was and has been net-net very fun. But I've learned a lot about myself in the last two weeks, just, you know, the collection, Skyrocketed. It went from 0.05 Ether to 4 Ether for the Genesis token in a week. That's an 80X.
0: And the amount of ETH that's been traded is crazy.
1: 2000 Ether has been traded. And so that brings, obviously, kind of players and participants that are not aligned mm-hmm. with the vision, which is just to make really awesome memes with really dope artists. And I'm really lucky that I've been here for two years. I have really cool artist friends. And so that's that's always been the idea and obviously the pillars of the manifesto. But now there's the expectation of profit. And when everything's going up, you're a genius and people love you. And then things correct as they should. And then literally have people in my DMs trying to come and kill me. And I'm like, all right, kid, come on, chill. And so it it has been an exercise and a lesson in just managing emotion, managing expectation, communication, tokenomics. It's been fun. I mean, it's been good. We are very focused on delivering our vision. We have a team of four people Mm -hmm. We have a great you know, partnership with Venture Punk, which is a venture studio ran by Jordan Lyle fellow punk. They've been helping us behind the scenes. We're working with six, five to nine's team. They're giving us a lot of pointers, documentation, and then a lot of different collectors that have reached out and say, Hey, I love what you're building. Let me help you out. So it's just been like really, really fun. A lot of artist friends are like, love it. What do I need to do to get involved? i like, I right,
2: just make, make a meme about meetings. That's the ethos right there. Everything you just spoke about the collaboration over competition. Yep. Right, I mean, this is a pure example of it in in practice here. My question that I wanted to ask was: You're, you're talking about the negative side of it, the downfall. Did anybody warn you about that? Did anybody coach you and say, "Hey, Serge, you're gonna you're gonna get a fucking waterfall of shit coming your way once this thing starts to dip, and you better prepare yourself <laughs> for that. Get a big umbrella."
1: The funny thing is that I spent the last two years advising founder friends and artist friends. I've helped prize every one of like. Every other major drop on Nifty Gateway early before like the bubble, I was involved. And so I've seen the toll it takes on my friends and, you know, group chats, mostly founders and like me. I stuck around because, you know, friends with everybody and I've seen how toxic it can be. And so I was ready for it. There's certainly an element that, you know, I always just as an advisor hung up the phone and that Mm -hmm. was the end of it. Whereas now, I mean, to be honest, the first two weeks, like the week before the project launch and then launched the first week, actually this last three weeks, call it, I've had an anxiety that I've never felt in my life. It's just been wild to like the anxiety of I don't want people to get hurt. I don't want people to lose money. I know there's people are going to FOMO in with probably money they can't afford to lose. And honestly, I just want to make badass memes like that's that's intention. If people want to buy them. But that's but,
2: that, but that's yeah, like, but that's a, the heavy is a heavy as a hand right heavy as a sword. You're going to have to manage those emotions. You can't you can't have both worlds of it. And listen, everyone getting into this, we're all big boys and big girls. We know what we're getting into.
1: Sure, 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 sure. And and for me, it's been it's been a lesson that I wasn't expecting, and I'm I'm just embracing full on. Like you know, hey, you've never been tested like this in your life. There's people that are tested like this and it's like matter of life or death or just matter of whether they're eating their mm-hmm. next meal or not. It's been, you know, it's been a good business for me. So I have the luxury that, OK, well, you know, we've done something successful, but still like the emotional toll has been a little higher than I expected.
2: Yeah, thanks for sharing, man.
0: And a part of that has to be like JFC people like D-Gens, calm the fuck down, like seriously calm Way down, if you go way back to like the mechaverse Discord, the mechaverse Discord had like three hundred thousand people in it, and they had ten thousand to drop. So like, there's already there's already a mismatch, right? Somebody Supply is demand. gonna get burnt. Somebody, right? Like, they're, they're, not everybody's gonna be happy. And it's just, you know, you, you spend enough time in a discord. It's like a 50-50 dichotomy. 50% are for the pureness of it the community. They're long-term holders. They want to see it thrive. They're going to help you and do everything they can, right? And then the other 50, are like, when's the fucking number going up, man? Why aren't you doing more? Why is my Nakamimoto Like, so let's do this in real time because I actually saw today that in response to the community and, and said complaints, you guys kind of changed the drop mechanics a little bit and, and you're enhancing the role of the, is it the Naka, Nakami Moto? Naka, say it for me.
1: NAKAMITO. Yeah, so NAKAMITO Nakamito. was that original card that I dropped, there's 550 of them. My idea was, you know, this is a token that will hopefully be held by long, you know, visionaries that share. You know, to me, it was just going to be immediate holders, I thought that we're going to be interested in it. And again, there's not a lot, so I was like, okay. And so now that we have a large holding of these tokens, realized that a lot of flippers had them on. And they were very, you know, just minting and dumping, minting and dumping, because it was pretty much free money to them. So we're switching that. We've taken a lot of feedback from the collectors. A lot, a lot of feedback. I communicating a lot. You know, we're we're trying to get to the right spot. It is it's funny because just, you know, our last drop on Tuesday, there was not enough cards to go around. And people were like, Why are you not letting like one card and two card holders drop? I mean, mint this, you're an asshole. Thank you for being there. And then now today that was a little slower, people are like, oh, you're an idiot. Cut the supply. Nobody wants this. And it's like two days ago, you guys were clamoring for these tokens. And now, you know, you're like, no, you're an idiot. Don't sell too many of them. So it is it's been an exercise in patience and in learning. Yep. The, you know, we, we go back to what got us here. We, sh- we want to really deliver something of value Dope art. I mean, the piece we dropped today literally changes with the time of the day on your browser. So to me, it's wild that there's a token out there that, you know, we're seeing it's what 4 p.m. here in the East uh, in the east Coast. But then somebody in like Asia will be seeing the night version of it. And then somebody in Europe will be seeing like the evening version of it. Like that is that is amazing. And again, more than a digital collectible, it's like, what else can we do with this kind of stuff? So yeah, painful to hear some of the feedback from the flippers, but really, really like assured from a lot of like the actual collectors and friends who are like, "We love what you're doing. Keep going. Oh yeah, just keep Hell going yes.
0: totally on the on the friend' side. keep going. started as a DJ here, but I'm here for the long haul, and I think you guys have some some damn good plans and a damn good foundation, so definitely keep going you know. I think you have one of the most instructive stories when it comes to this space. I believe you did, a, you did an interview with Raoul Paul and he agreed. You know, he thought you had like, seriously, one of the most instructive stories when it comes, you know, what being somebody that, you know, you started when you started in NFTs, your first thought is these people are fucking crazy. And now you're minting your own projects. What advice would you give to someone who's interested in creating their own NFT collection or investing in NFTs for the first time, given your, you know, just your story uphill both ways in the snow?
1: Yeah, I think it's something that people say and and a lot in the space, and you don't take it into consideration until you've gotten burned a few times, but really is do your research, right? There is no need to go and invest any kind of money. It doesn't matter if it's $2 or $2,000 or $2 million. If you don't understand what you're getting yourself into, there's many more people out there that do, and you're probably the one that's going to pay for for that. And so I think... Right. I think doing your own research is, 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 you know, it helps you, it protects you, but at the same time, it educates you and it really gives you the opportunity to say, OK, well, like, actually, this is something awesome. It's not just like number go up. Like this is interesting and valuable because of X, Y, Z or, hey, this is deeply flawed. But if we made this change, it could really work. And then you go and launch on own. And so for me, I think that's what's helped me a lot. is that doing a lot of research and trying to understand what works for people and what doesn't work. We've done it with our project. Yeah, we've changed the mint mechanic pretty much every single drop because we want to improve. We want to take feedback. Things change There's a lot of variables and we want to just do things better. And in order to do that, you need to learn and educate yourself. So that is always, for me, the first word of advice.
0: And to, to pull on one thread there, because you know th- there's going to be people in the audience that are brand new to this and I say this and other people say this, and I don't think we ever like take the time to actually say what this means. And I would love it if you would just for one second would. What does do your own research mean? And do you have any examples of how to start that for somebody that's never started it?
1: Sure, so people always ask me, I wanna do crypto, which token should I buy? (laughs) And it's like- Always. Dude, imagine imagine just standing outside like a mall and being like, I wanna have kids one day, (laughs) let me just grab another person and say hey we're married now let's pop out a kid like no why would you do that even if they're beautiful you're like why (laughs) would you do that and so right you test drive cars you go on dates like you do
0: a lot of
1: testing and learning and education and and, and so same thing with crypto you want to be in crypto you don't need a dollar to be in crypto Right, You need to understand what's happening. So what does do your own research mean? Read the Bitcoin white paper. That is the foundation of the space. It's really easy to understand. Yes, there's some stuff that might be complicated, but that really gives you the ethos of what we're here. Read the Ethereum white paper. The Ethereum white paper builds on top of the Bitcoin white paper. It's actually not a difficult read and you actually understand how wallets work and how smart contracts work. And so honestly, and like that's the first thing I send people, right? And then depending on your area of interest, if it's DeFi, go on like Bankless or something like that. If it's NFTs, the NFT Now and stuff like that. There's so many resources, yep. there's so many people giving out free education and free content Don't take them at their word, though. I think that's also important because you never know their intentions unless you know them personally. So take a bunch of different opinions. And as as you iterate and learn more, you align with certain views, certain communities. And that's when you can say, hey, I want to be part of this.
0: Heck yeah. Don't trust, but do verify. Yes, 100%. Correct. So we are almost at the end of our show. But before we wrap up, I did want to take I want to take you through a quick lightning round of questions for the audience to get a better understanding of where your heart lies. So I'm going to ask you 10 questions. And for each one, I need you to answer one or the other. And for any that you don't, you have to promise right after this show, you take a shot of something strong. If that's your vice. Yeah. If that's your vice. if that's yeah, your I, vice. I'm, I'm
1: rolling gen, dry Jan into dry Feb. But okay. um,
0: yeah, okay. we'll... Uh, flavored water is a good second choice perfect okay. all right one charlie munger or warren buffett
1: Ooh, i'm a big charlie munger fan
0: nice i,
1: I i've seen him speak in person at the berkshire hathaway conventions and he's just so witty I, i'm sure he loves memes <laughs> warren's smart don't get me wrong but Charlie's just—it's amazing. Quick anecdote of Charlie, if I can. I was in college, drove up to Omaha with a couple of friends to listen to them speak, and they do this like twelve-hour session of Q and A from the audience. And one woman goes up to the microphone in front of like you know this arena—it's like maybe like twenty-five thousand people—and she says, "Charlie, I read your book twice, and I really didn't understand what you meant. What advice do you have for me?" And Charlie is like eating sea candies, and he goes. I will give it to somebody who's smarter than you. Wow! I
2: thought <laughs> that's <laughs> I it. Read it again.
1: Body in her. body hair. I was like, oh, this huh. guy. Yes. So, Charlie.
0: Boom. That's awesome. And and one day I want to get you back on the show so we can talk about that story because uh, the the uh, you know going into the libraries on your year off and getting up and asking yourself and actually meeting them was a pretty cool story. But uh, we'll we'll do that another time. Sounds good. Second, the Intelligent Investor or Satoshi's white paper. <sighs>
1: Oh, the intelligent investor. Nice. I like I like Satoshi's White Paper. Like I said, it is a corner store, a corner. Yeah, it's the foundation of crypto. But the intelligent investor for me was kind of what put me in the direction of, of TradFi and what honestly got me to where I live in Manhattan. And, and you know, I, I met my wife in Wall Street and it just really changed my life. I was studying engineering for a year And then I said, I want finance. And so here I am, right? I worked at Goldman and all that stuff. It's nice. And it really started with just picking up the intelligent investor and reading it back in
0: the day. Dog agrees. Sounds like he doesn't agree. Crypto or TradFi?
1: Ooh, obviously crypto, but that's actually a tougher one. If we had like more specific categories, there's some that I would pick TradFi for sure. But
0: as a whole, crypto. I'm making it hard on you on purpose. Being conservative or taking risks?
1: Oh, taking risks all way along. There you go. My all man. way along.
0: Barclays or Goldman?
1: Oh, Goldman. Absolutely no question about it. Listen, I spent seven years at Barclays, five at Goldman, but it's funny. The first day at, at orientation at Goldman Sachs, they came in and they told us, listen, you will always be the Goldman person, wherever you go, whatever you are, at whatever point in your career, you'll always be known as a Goldman person. And seven years I was at Barclays. With my clients and everybody else are like, oh, he's a Goldman guy. It was just so wild.
0: That's crazy. I've never heard that. Good to know. Is it called football or soccer?
1: Oh, football.
0: My man. Mm. Do you seize the moment or do you seize the memes?
1: I think you seize
0: the memes. There you go. Olivia Rodrigo or Taylor Swift?
1: Oh, uh, depends. <laughs> For what? Oh. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> I'm right, a big point, I'm a point, I'm point. a big Swifty I'm a big Swifty I love her music I think you can it's, she's somebody that puts like her her emotions and her experiences into Quite her work order. and and I yeah yes. and, and so I I can appreciate that because I do the same and I wear my emotions on my sleeve and so yeah Taylor for the music no, for the no. music
0: Taylor perfect yes. there we go Bitcoin or Ethereum
1: Oh, Ethereum. Ethereum, oh, I man. think Bitcoin is great, but Ethereum has just changed my life and, and so many others and will continue to change the world.
0: And last question, NFT degen or NFT creator?
1: Degen at heart. I think it's also kind of became a nice. dirty word, but it doesn't have to be. I think oh. degen speaks to passion, speaks to having skin in the game, speaks to being able to take wins and losses. When you're a creator, you're mostly just a little bit more conservative uh Dejan is kind of like a batch of honor at this
0: point. It is, you know, we we will keep that alive, and I know Adam will do his part. I'm,
2: I'm getting All right.
0: involved, man. As, as I'm good, I'm going. Yeah, no, I'm are I, dirty as, as far as this past year, man. I've gotten rolled up the sleeves. I'm in the mud. <laughs> I was referring to us going into client meetings and me being the resident oh, NFT DJ. where you're going that one, but it's okay. You, you, you do got that one. You got that one. All right. So uh, we, we are here to wrap up our show. And to wrap up our show, we, we do it in a way that I start my mornings. And every morning, I pull up chat GPT and I ask it a joke. Sometimes it makes me laugh. Sometimes it makes me giggle. We'll see what's going to happen here. So I'm going to tell you the prompt I gave it. And then I'll give you the joke. Let's see if it's funny. Hey there, Sergio. Oh, you know what? I don't have the prompt. So I'm just going to give you the joke. <laughs> we'll go back. Hey there, Sergio. Welcome to the show. So I hear you traded in your suit and tie for an NFT portfolio in a crypto wallet. I can only imagine the looks on your old coworkers' faces when they found out. I bet they were all thinking, ha ha ha, he's a DJ now. Hey, by the way, where do I buy Bitcoin? Ha! Welcome to the wild world of Web3, my friend. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, that's about right. <laughs> I'll that, take that, it that's back. That's a good response.
1: <laughs> that, I'll, I'll take it full circle. My boss at Barclays who told me to shut the fuck up, and that's a quote, <laughs> about crypto and NFTs. I woke up one morning about six months ago, and I have four texts from old clients. They're all screenshots of his morning email talking about boardings.
0: Nice. Way to bring it home. Sergio, greatly, greatly appreciate you joining us for the show today. Why don't you tell the people uh, where they can find you online?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sorry about the doggy noises. I'm at Sergito Sergito, both on Twitter and Telegram, Sergio Silva on LinkedIn. I don't really use LinkedIn that much, but yeah, Twitter, you can find me there all day long and our projects at at Seize the Meeps, M-E-E-B-S.
2: Check it out, people. We'll link it up in the comments in the show notes. Sergio, thank you for joining us. Please anytime.
0: do.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate you guys' time and space. I, I love chatting with you, Adam and Kevin. Nice to, nice to meet you.
0: Heck yeah. Thank you for listening to The Immutable Mindset. We appreciate you for joining us. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Immutable Show. Subscribe, comment, and network. Catch us next week for more. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Immutable Mindset. We appreciate you for joining us. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Immutable Show. Subscribe, comment, and network, and catch us next week for more. Take care, folks.